Welcome to God's Story, the narrative adaptation of the Bible. Today's chapter covers 2 Samuel 19 through 1 Kings 11, with some excerpts from Ecclesiastes and Proverbs as well. Chapter 15, The Reign of King Solomon When David's army learned of the king's reaction to the news of Absalom's death, their triumphant joy faded away, and they snuck back into their camp, not like victors, but with shame, as though it had been they that had been defeated. Joab went immediately to David and said, You've humiliated the men who just fought bravely to save the lives of you and your family. Why do you seem to love those who hate you and hate those who love you? You've made it clear that we mean nothing to you. Your men believe that you would have been happier if Absalom had lived and if we had all died. You need to go out there and encourage your men, or by tonight you won't have a single person left loyal to you. Though David's sorrow at the loss of his son was immense, he took Joab's advice and showed his support for his soldiers by spending the night among them. But this attempted coup by Absalom would have consequences beyond his death. Throughout the land, the people were arguing among themselves over where their loyalties should lie. One would say, David saved us from our enemies, while another would reply, but then he abandoned us and fled in shame from his own son. Still another would say, but now Absalom is dead, and yet you say nothing about David returning to Jerusalem. As David made his way towards the Jordan River, he was met by some men from Judah who were going to escort him back to Jerusalem. Surprisingly, both Mephibosheth and Shammai were also there. In fact, Shammai rushed to be the first to meet King David, and he told him, My king, forgive me, forget about what I said when you were leaving Jerusalem. I know that I have wronged you. That's why I wanted to be the first person to see you now that you've returned. But Abishai said, shouldn't he be put to death for cursing Yahweh's anointed king? David replied, what does this have to do with you, Abishai? What right do you have to interfere? Why should anyone die today? I know that I'm the king of Israel. That's enough. Shammai, I promise you will not be killed. Mephibosheth approached next. He appeared bedraggled and malnourished. David looked at him, heartbroken, and asked, Why did you betray me? Mephibosheth answered, My king, my donkey was prepared, but Ziba kept me from riding to you, and as I'm crippled, I couldn't stop him. He's lied about me to you. You're like an angel of God to me, so I know that you will do what is right. My whole family deserved death for what Saul did to you. But you made me like one of your own sons. What more can I ask of you? Ziba can keep my land, now that I know that you have safely returned. With those words, the hardness David felt from Mephibosheth fell away and they were restored to each other. After David's kingdom was finally restored, Israel came to know a time of peace. With his mind no longer occupied with warcraft, this period marked a prolific time of creativity for David, authoring many psalms of diverse tone and subject. Indeed, as he aged, he began to contemplate his own mortality, and he wrote, I had said, 
I will take heed so that I do not sin with my tongue. I will keep my mouth bridled like a horse. When the wicked were before me, I was silent. I held my peace, but my sorrow increased. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I said, Yahweh, make me know my end, the number of my days. Then I will understand just how frail I am. You have made my days like a hand length. Truly every person's life is but an instant. With futility we heap up riches, but we do not understand that we will possess nothing in the end. What am I waiting for now? My hope is in you. Rescue me from my wrongdoing. Do not make me the scorn of the foolish. Remove any punishment from me. I am consumed by the power of your hand. When you discipline us for our wrongdoing, you burn away everything we idolize. Listen to my tears, Yahweh, for I am only a traveler, as all my fathers were. Spare me that I may recover my strength before I am no more. Eventually, David, in his old age, became feeble and was confined to his bed. In these last years of his life, there was a young woman named Abishag who cared for him and kept him warm. She was almost like a wife to him. With Amnon and Absalom dead and his father unable to rule, tradition dictated that the crown would pass to Adonijah, and so he declared himself prince regent. He was supported by Joab and Abiathar. Meanwhile, Zadok, whom David had made co-high priest because of his support during Absalom's rebellion, along with Nathan the prophet and others of the king's men, did not support this decision. Adonijah invited every important person that he could to a ceremony in his honor, as well as all of his brothers, except Solomon. So Nathan counseled Bathsheba to go and speak with David. She said to him, You swore to me that Solomon would be king, but now Adonijah has become king, and you're not even aware of it. He's having a ceremony in his own honor and has invited many people, but not Solomon. All of Israel is watching you to find out who will be the next king. If you die without naming him, we will all be treated as enemies to the throne. Then Nathan entered the room and said, Have you, my king, said that Adonijah is to be the next king of Israel? Right now everyone he invited to his ceremony is saying, Long live King Adonijah. But some of us were not invited. Did you choose Adonijah and not tell any of us? David replied, in the name of Yahweh, who has saved me from every danger, I will do what I promised. Solomon will be the next king. Call in Zadok. When he arrived, David said, Zadok, Nathan, take my son, Solomon, and anoint him as king. Blow the trumpet and cry, Long live King Solomon, then bring him back here to sit on my throne. I have appointed him ruler over all of Israel. And so it was carried out as David commanded. As they returned, a large crowd followed them, cheering. When Adonijah heard the noise, his followers said, What's the meaning of this? At that moment, Abiathar's son arrived and told them, David has made Solomon king. Zadok and Nathan took him to be anointed with oil before Yahweh. Then they all returned with a cheering crowd. That's what you heard. Solomon is sitting on David's throne as we speak. People are saying, may Solomon be even greater than David. Even David was heard to have said, praise Yahweh for letting me see my successor before I died. 
At this news, all of Adonijah's supporters fled in fear, but Adonijah would not flee from his younger half-brother. He sent this message to Solomon. Swear to me that you will not put me to death for attempting to take the throne. Solomon replied, Tell Adonijah that if he is a righteous man, he has nothing to fear. But if he is evil, he will die. For this is just. Adonijah was brought before Solomon, and he bowed low, and Solomon sent him home. When David knew that his time was approaching, he called Solomon to him, and he said, I am about to die. Now be strong. Do what Yahweh asks of you. Keep all of Yahweh's laws written by Moses. Do this so that you will prosper in everything that you do. Then Yahweh will be able to keep the promise made to me. The promise that if your descendants follow me with all their hearts and souls, then you will never fail to have a successor on the throne. For too long I overlooked the many wrongs of my kinsman Joab, who is unrepentant for the innocent blood that's on his hands. Do with him what you think is best, but he should not be able to die in peace. Also, show kindness to those who remained loyal to me during Absalom's rebellion. Taking after his father, Solomon was a prolific writer of many genres of literature. Upon the death of David and his ascension to the throne, Solomon wrote these words to consecrate and bless his reign, and yet did not understand that the fullness of their meaning had not yet come to pass. Give the king your wisdom, God, so that he may judge your people with righteousness. Let him be like a rain that waters the earth. In his days let the righteous flourish. Give him dominion from sea to sea. They that dwell in the wilderness will bow before him. The kings of the world will present him with gifts. All kings will bow before him. All nations will serve him. He will rescue the needy, the poor, and the weak. He will redeem their souls from deceit and violence. Precious will be their blood in his sight. Daily will he be praised. His name will endure forever. As you promised Abraham, all people will be blessed through him. All nations will be called blessed. Blessed be Yahweh, God of Israel, who only does wondrous things. Let the whole earth be filled with the glory of God. But those who had conspired against Solomon did not cease in their machinations. Together they devised another plot. Adonijah himself approached Bathsheba and said, As you know, Israel was mine. Everyone looked to me as the king. But things have changed, and my brother is king, chosen by Yahweh and my father. But I have one thing to ask of you. Ask Solomon on my behalf, he could never refuse you after all, to let me marry Abishag. When Bathsheba told Solomon of this, he saw through the request and understood that by marrying this woman who had been like a wife to David, Adonijah was trying to strengthen his claim to the throne so that he could once more challenge Solomon's rule. He said to his mother, He may as well requested that I give him my entire kingdom. After all, he is my older half-brother, and he has already tried to take the throne for himself with the help of Joab and Abiathar. Adonijah will be put to death today for his rebellion against the will of Yahweh and my father. Then he had Abiathar brought before him, and he said, Go home. You deserve death for defying your king and your God, but I will not kill you 
because you have carried the Ark of the Covenant and supported my father for many years. But I will strip you and your line of the priesthood. So it was that the curse pronounced upon Eli had now reached its end with his great-great-grandson. When Joab heard what had happened to Abiathar and Adonijah, he fled to the tent where the Ark of the Covenant was kept and held on to the altar there. Solomon heard about this and ordered that he be put to death. Strike him down and bury him so that my family will finally be free from the deaths of the innocent men that he killed without my father's consent. And with that order, those who had conspired against Solomon were no more. Though his reign began with conflict and bloodshed, the years that followed, Solomon worked tirelessly to be a man of peace, and Israel knew a time of great prosperity during his reign. One day, Yahweh appeared to Solomon and said, Ask me for whatever your heart desires. Solomon replied, You showed great kindness to my father David because he was righteous and faithful. Now you have made me his successor, though I was the least among my brothers. I am little more than a child. I don't know how to rule your people who are too numerous to count. I desire the wisdom to know the difference between right and wrong in all things. Yahweh was pleased by Solomon's humility and said, Since you have asked for this, not for a long life, not for wealth, not for the death of your enemies... I will do as you ask. You will be the wisest man that has ever been or ever will be. Beyond this, I will give you what you have not asked for, wealth and honor. You will be the greatest of the kings of your age. If you live in obedience to my law, you will also have a long life. Then Yahweh left Solomon to ponder these promises. The first great test of Solomon's wisdom came when two women came before him. The first woman said, This woman and I live in the same house. We both had babies at around the same time. One night, this woman's baby died. When she discovered this, in the middle of the night, she crept over to me while I was sleeping and replaced my living baby with her dead one. The next morning when I woke up, I saw that my baby was dead, but when I looked more closely, I realized he wasn't mine. The other woman replied, No! The living one is mine. The dead one is yours. Solomon said, You each say that the living baby is yours. Fine. We'll just cut the baby in half and give each woman a piece. One of the women said, Fine. Cut him in two. Then neither of us get to have him. But the true mother of the baby said, No, please. Give the baby to her. Don't kill him. Then Solomon said, Give the baby to this woman. She is clearly the mother. When all of Israel heard this, they were in awe of their king because they could see that he had wisdom from Yahweh. Solomon wrote much of his wisdom down. In the book of Kohelet, he counseled people to be satisfied with the lives that Yahweh had given them and to put their trust in God. He learned from his own experiences that chasing after knowledge, pleasure, wealth, work, all the extremes, they were all meaningless apart from Yahweh. He lamented the injustice and the impression that he saw around him. He counseled people to be careful with the words they used and the promises that they make. As people from all over Israel and other countries came to Solomon for advice, they were staggered when he would say things to them. Things like, 
Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked it is destroyed. Or, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. The righteous care for even the needs of their animals, but even the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebuke. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears her down. The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thoughts to their steps. The wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. Or, it is a sin to despise one's neighbors, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. These many wise sayings, and so many more, became known as Proverbs, and they were recorded to be preserved for future generations to contemplate. Solomon was also knowledgeable in science, especially zoology and botany. Soon news of Solomon's wisdom spread into all the surrounding countries until he was recognized as the wisest man in the world. Kings would send their advisors from all over to listen to him speak. Among those who learned of Solomon's reputation was the king of Tyre, who had always lived in peace with David. Seeking to maintain the cooperation between their kingdoms, he sent Solomon a token of friendship. Solomon replied, You know that my father was unable to build a temple during his rule because he was constantly at war, but now Yahweh has given us peace. We have no more enemies threatening us, so I will now build a temple to God, as was foretold. We have need of the cedar trees from your country. My men will work with yours, and I will pay your men for their work. The king of Tyre replied, I will provide all the wood that you need. My men will cut them down and float them down the Mediterranean Sea for you to haul away wherever you choose. In exchange, I would like for you to provide food for everyone in my household. And so for years there was peace between Tyre and Israel as they exchanged food for wood. Solomon sent 30,000 Israelites to assist in rotating groups of 10,000 a month. He also had 80,000 men cutting stone and 70,000 men that carried it away. It had been 480 years since the Israelites had left Egypt, and four years since Solomon had become king, when work on the temple began. It was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 45 feet tall. All of the rocks were cut to shape in the quarry, so the sound of hammers and chisels were never heard inside the temple. The roof was made out of cedar logs. The entire interior was paneled with gold-covered wood and decorated with all sorts of carvings, including two 15-foot-tall wooden statues covered in gold that looked like angels with outstretched wings. Bronze sculptures as well were made to be displayed in the temple. So many were made that they couldn't determine the weight of it all. After four years of gathering materials and seven years of building, the temple was finally completed. With its completion, Solomon called for the Ark of the Covenant to be enshrined there, along with all of the other elements of the tabernacle. The Levite priests carried it, and such a wealth of sacrifices were made that they were impossible to reckon. 
The ark was brought into the inner sanctuary of the temple and placed beneath the wings of the angel statues. When the priests left the inner sanctuary, Yahweh's presence filled the temple as a cloud. Praises innumerable were shouted by the people that day as they sang, Clap your hands, all of you! Shout to God with triumph! Yahweh is king over all the earth! Sing praises to God! Sing praises! Sing praises to our king! Sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth! God sits upon a throne of holiness between the cherubim. Sing to Yahweh with the harp, with the voice of the choir, with trumpets. For Yahweh is king over all the earth. Let the seas shout and clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together. For God comes to judge the earth with righteousness. So enter into Yahweh's gates with thanksgiving. Be thankful. Bless the name of God. For Yahweh's mercy and truth is everlasting, enduring through every generation. Solomon then addressed all those who had gathered for this special moment. Praise Yahweh for fulfilling the promise made to my father. He set his heart on building this temple, but that honor was given to me. I have made a place for the ark which contains the covenant that Yahweh made with our ancestors when they were rescued from slavery in Egypt. Yahweh, there is no one like you. You keep your promises to those who stay true. So keep the promise that you made to my father David that he would always have a descendant on the throne of Israel as long as they keep your laws. But my people, can Yahweh really live on the earth? Even the sky can't contain you, Yahweh. How much less this temple that man has built? Even so, Keep watch over us. Hear our prayers that come to you from this temple and forgive us. When two people come to the temple with a dispute, show us what is right. When we lose a battle because we have sinned, but then return to you and repent in this temple, forgive us. When we have a drought because we have sinned, but then return to you and repent in this temple, forgive us. Teach us what is right and then give us rain. When we face any crisis, whether famine, plague, natural disaster, attacking enemy, when we pray for help at this temple, rescue us. For anyone who is not an Israelite but comes from their country because they have heard of you, God, when they pray to you here, grant their request so that the whole earth will remember you and trust in you. When we go to war and pray to you at the temple, grant us victory. If we sin, and in your anger you let our enemies carry us off as prisoners, but we then have a change of heart and repent and look towards this city from afar and pray, forgive them and have mercy on them. You singled us out from all other nations to be your own. Praise you, Yahweh, for fulfilling all promises. May we always look to God and be obedient to the laws given to our ancestors. May Yahweh remember this prayer every day. And all the parts of the temple were dedicated to Yahweh, part by part, with abundant sacrifices. Later, Yahweh again appeared to Solomon. I have heard your prayer. I honor the temple you have built. My name, my eyes, my heart, 
will always be there. And you, Solomon, if you walk with me faithfully like your father did, then you will have a descendant on the throne forever. But if your descendants abandon me and worship other gods, I will cut off Israel from its inheritance and reject this temple. Israel will become a mockery among the other nations, and this temple will become a pile of rubble. Everyone who sees it will scoff, Why did their God do this? And the people will reply, Because they abandoned Yahweh, who brought their ancestors out of Egypt. They turned to other gods. This is why disaster fell on them. Soon it was clear to all that Solomon had acquired riches to match his wisdom, more than anyone on the earth. Everyone who came to hear his wisdom gave him a precious gift. His armies, too, were vast and powerful. But out of his power and wealth was born weakness. Solomon had taken many wives from foreign countries, far more than his father, including from Israel's ancient enemies, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, whom God had forbidden the Israelites to marry. He had over 700 wives, and as Yahweh had warned, their worship of false gods led him astray. In the latter years of his 42-year reign, Solomon's wives turned his heart to other gods, and he was not fully devoted to Yahweh as his father had been. In his old age, he began to worship Ashtoreth, Chemosh, and Moloch, and it was evil in the eyes of Yahweh. He built altars for them on nearby hills and offered sacrifices there. Yahweh became angry with Solomon and said, I have appeared to you twice before. I've given you all that you could desire. Still your heart has turned to false gods. Since you have betrayed me in this way, I will take your kingdom away from you and give it to someone else. But for the sake of your father, who was always faithful to me, I will not do it to you, but during your son's reign. And as a kindness to David, I will not even take all of Israel away. I will give your offspring one tribe to rule. Then Solomon, the wisest man who had ever lived, the man who had overseen the construction of God's temple, was left alone to ponder what he had become as he awaited his impending death. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Matt. If you want to give me any feedback, you can email me at mattsgodstory at gmail.com. That's M-A-T-T-S-G-O-D-S-S-T-O-R-Y at gmail.com. If you'd like a transcript of uh, this chapter or any previous chapter, you can get it at mattsgodstory.blogspot.com. Stay safe and God bless.